What's going on, everybody? I'm Ben. And I'm Mark. And this is the Wilhelm slash House Podcastica joint coverage of Monarch Legacy of Monsters. And we'll be covering episodes one and two, episode one, Aftermath, and episode two, Departure. Yes, indeed. Uh, Before we go any further, I have to extend... Uh, a personal thank you to Apple and Apple TV Plus for uh, for giving us the screeners to this so that we were able to watch this in advance and review this series, even though we haven't watched in advance. <laughs> we just have them uh, in case we need to, which is nice. Yeah. So uh, I'm excited for this. Mark, are you excited for this? I'm extremely excited for this, for the fact that I'm a huge Godzilla fan, or or Toho fan, and Legendary has pursued and continued on with their MonsterVerse with this particular series, which is Monarch Legacy of Monsters. So I've been looking forward to this for a long while. Uh, The last particular movie that we did get was literally Godzilla versus Kong. Mm -hmm. And... Honestly, it didn't do greatly in the theater, but it still holds up to a lot of fan nostalgia and everything else that's out there uh, because these these characters are based upon, for the most part, Toho Legacy, uh, which is uh, all the Godzilla fan base and the Godzilla and Kaiju family that's out there, plus including, of course, King Kong. Yeah, but uh, we do get that within this series. I'm I'm excited for this as well because I'm with you. I'm I'm a big fan of Godzilla, which is why when you stepped up to do this with me, um, you know, I, I was really excited about that because I know how big of a Toho fan you are, uh, and and Godzilla, and I know uh, this is releasing on two different RSS feeds. So you'll be hearing this. If you're listening, if you're a subscriber to Wilhelm, you yep. can hear it there. If you're a subscriber to house podcastica, uh, you will be hearing it there as well. So welcome to both sides of the RSS feeds. I almost started calling this when podcasts collide <laughs> because that's, that's literally what this is becoming at this point. Um, you know, even though Wilhelm is not a part of Podcastica, uh, yeah. and and you are actually not a part of Podcastica, but eh, it, a little bit, a little bit. But Jason, the head honcho over there at Podcastica, and our good friend, yes, you know, I know they wanted to cover this series, and unfortunately, um, it, Daphne and Pake on Run for Your Lives were the ones that were going to do it, but due to scheduling, they were unable to. Mm-hmm. So when I decided to step up and cover it for Wilhelm. You know, he reached out and he said, Hey, you know, would you be willing to make this a joint Wilhelm podcastica thing? Cause we had just recently done it in the past with Barbenheimer mm-hmm. and it, that was pretty successful. So we figured why not? So now, uh, welcome. As I mentioned, welcome. If you're a listener of house podcastica, welcome. If you're a listener of Wilhelm, welcome. And, uh, 
Yeah, that's. I just wanted to make mention of that as well. Welcome, 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 everybody. Yeah. <laughs> if you are a House Podcastica listener, uh, the format's going to be a little different for you guys. You know, ordinarily when you hear anything covered over there, whether it's The Walking Dead or The Last of Us or House of the Dragon or anything like that, usually you dive into your top points and everybody brings a point to the table. This is going to be more of a general discussion of... Yeah how everything is. We're just going to jump right in and we're going to see where the conversation takes us about these, uh, about, uh, the, these episodes as we progress forward. So, uh, but yeah. we still just like everything else on podcastico or Wilhelm, we encourage you to leave feedback. Um, we could give you addresses to both, but we're, <laughs> we're going to save that towards the end of the conversation. So make sure you stick around and we'll tell you how you can leave your feedback because we want to hear what your thoughts are. Yeah. As well. We, yeah. We, we would love to hear from you and your thoughts. And uh, please, if you feel like you're don't want, uh, like you're afraid to do it, please just do it. it <laughs> it's fun to hear from everybody. <laughs> I love, I love that. If you feel like you're afraid to do it, just do it. Just do it. Because yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling. I know that feeling because I, I feel sometimes when I send feedback that I'm like, do I sound like a goof? Do I sound like an idiot? <laughs> I'm just going to do it anyway. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. I feel I feel almost a little hypocritical asking for people, asking people for feedback because I'm not somebody who generally leaves feedback. Not mm. because I don't want to. I definitely have in the past, but yeah. I'm always – between, you know, now this podcast, recording episodes of Wilhelm, revisited podcast, guesting on other podcasts. I just, while I listen to other people's podcasts, I just don't have the time yeah, I know. to sit and leave feedback. Um, <laughs> so, but don't do as I do. If you, if you enjoy the content, if you enjoy the discussion of the content, we yeah. appreciate the feedback. Uh, stick around to the end to find out how you can do that and... We'll go from there. Exactly. And now the show will continue. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So let's, let's dive right in. We have two episodes. We figured they both released on the same day. Mm -hmm. So we're going to just cover both episodes right away, right from the start. Cause they do kind of tie together. They do. A little. And I think that's the reason why they actually release both episodes together for the fact that there's a lot of information within the first two episodes that you have to digest in order to get into the third one, which hasn't even been released yet on Apple TV plus, but a lot of it is, uh, like I said, and you stated it before how, you know, how I love my, my love for Toho films. And a lot of it is a lot about the characters within it, not more of the monsters. A lot of it is character-based, the storyline, and where we get to when the monsters do show up. So I love how they actually do that with the influence. Now, mind you, we do get a sneak peek in the very beginning uh, from Kong Skull Island when we get to see, uh, I think, yeah, it's John Goodman. John Goodman's character, yes. Yeah, his character, who is, his last name is Randa. And we do get to meet a character by the last name of Randa. And uh, we meet a couple. We meet a couple characters with the last name Randa in this episode. Oh yes, we do. But apparently, it's a legacy of the family as well. 
and mm-hmm. we do get to, to to figure that one out and and see that and love it and uh we we get to get the history of the family too within monarch which is amazing and yeah yeah i mean it's it was great I, you know that's one of the first notes i have too is right from the start the opening with john goodman mm-hmm. who I, I i did get a little bit of a spoiler that he was going to be part of this episode only because he, he did an interview where he said he was worried. He wasn't going to be able to return to this universe because he has gotten, he has lost weight since the last time he was in. Um, He's definitely thinner. So he wasn't sure the character would still look the same. Yeah. If he, if he reprised the role, but I mean, they did a great job with it. He fit in, Right. Well, I don't think anybody took notice that like, oh, it doesn't work because he's skinnier now. <laughs> I, like, I did not really see that at all. No, I don't think. And even if some people noticed it, I don't think anybody was going to criticize that. No. It was just great to see him return to this universe, yeah. uh, you know, because unfortunately, as as is with a lot of these movies, if you're a main character in these movies, for the most part, you usually don't make it to the next film. <laughs> uh, that is true <laughs> you know it's, there's only a couple characters that have actually made it throughout these movies but yeah seeing john goodman from the start was a great way to kind of to anybody who's seen the movies before skull island in particular to mm-hmm. kind of automatically have something familiar to kind of bring you into what we're going to watch now and and his character you realize as somebody that almost seemed like a little bit he was definitely a main character in Skull Island, but he didn't seem that important. Mm-hmm. You realize now is so much more important oh, to yeah. this story. And I, I find that so fascinating. I love that idea. Basically, it's very much like uh, the character we actually did get in Kong Skull Island originally. I'm forgetting who uh, the actor and the character was. And forgive me, everybody, for saying this, but it, it's the the pilot that gets stranded on Kong Skull Island and winds up like saving everybody at the end because they think he's crazy. Oh, um, yeah, I. Oh, God, it's yeah, I know. It, it, it's I know. So I'm trying to remember. He was in Step Brothers. It's oh, I, uh, John C. Riley. There you go. Yes, <laughs> I know. If I threw a name at uh, a movie name, you, no, you would I get had it. his face in my head, and <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I know. <laughs> why, like, why Talladega Nights and step? Like, why can't yeah. John C. Riley? Yeah, John C. Riley. Yeah, yeah. So it, he was also a character in that particular movie that was kind of like a throwaway character to a lot of people, but actually he was very much important within that particular film. So just the same with John Goodman's character as Randa. And we do get that. And it's literally, like I stated before, a legacy of his family, that the character's family within this. Uh, we, the, the scene that I do enjoy, because it's, it pretty much opens the whole scene uh, of the show of him running and sending a message out to somebody through an 8mm camera. Now, mind you, it's eight millimeter. It's like they didn't have VHS back in mm-hmm. 1971. So he's out there and recording himself saying, I hope this gets out to you and blah, blah, blah. And then he throws off the uh, the satchel with has a whole bunch of tapes in it. 
and uh, while he's trying to avoid two monsters at the same freaking time, one which is the Spider Titan, which we all know as Kamanga, who appeared in the 1967 film of Son of Godzilla. So this is why I have you because I don't know this. So Kamanga is the Spider that we see, and he crawls down and he's like literally chasing after John, you know. Randa as he he's like going towards the water but out of the blue comes in the shoreline a crab titan yeah who we know as ganimus or ganimus and uh which originally starred in the uh, 1970s uh movie from toho called the space amoeba or a lot of americans would know as abyrus now are these the spider and the crab, are they titans or are they just larger creatures? They are just mean- larger creatures if okay. you think about it. They they would be considered titans or mutos, as we later on find out. They're uh, very large creatures, unidentified yeah. creatures. So in, in this world of legendary and how they created Monarch, these are uh, unidentified, uh, unidentified terrestrial huge creatures. So uh, it's it's pretty cool in the sense that they actually were able to incorporate some of those those characters from the original Toho series. Uh, now, mind you, within Kong Skull Island, we got a few others that were not within the original Toho lore. Mm-hmm. We're going to probably see that a little bit more within this show i feel because legacy is trying to co- create their own monster verse so we've already seen that in what uh godzilla versus kong we've seen that in kong skull island uh we've seen that for, well definitely within godzilla 2014 so it's a, it's a whole new universe the, but what about the matthew broderick godzilla oh please don't edge me <laughs> on with that we don't talk about gino here <laughs> And for you listeners out there, that's Godzilla in name only. <laughs> no, but it is a point of contention with Mark and I as to whether or not that actually is a Godzilla movie. Uh, it, it is technically, quote unquote, a Godzilla movie. For the fact that Sony TriStar had put that out there and they had licensing. So, uh, yeah. But uh. for those of you that really want to see Geno's end, just go watch Final Wars from 2004. <laughs> He's Gino. such a tuna head. G- who's Gino? Gino, Godzilla and name only. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh, I'm like, who is Gino? All right, fair enough. There oh, look, all I'm saying is that <laughs> Monarch, Monarch to me is not complete until I see a little Hank Azaria. So. I would love to see Hank Azaria in this movie. That would be amazing. I love him as an actor. You know I had, but you know at some point I had to throw that out there. Oh no, you did, and I just found the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, you did. So no, and you know what's funny too is getting back to getting back to Bill Randa, John Goodman's character, um, yeah. you know, from Kong Skull Island, and and then the younger version uh, played by Anders Holm in the series. It took me, I don't know why, but it took me until the second episode to realize they were the same person because you meet Bill mm-hmm. in in. You know, you see him with with Kiko, you see him with with Lee, you know, back in the 60s. And Mm -hmm. and then 
it didn't, I didn't put two and two together, even though they're both using that eight millimeter camera, they're both filmmakers. It wasn't until like towards the end of the second episode, when you finally see Kurt Russell as Lee, yes, when he mentions like, Oh, like that was my, when they say like, Oh, that was our grandfather. I was like, well, wait a minute. Oh yeah. Holy shit. That's the same bill. <laughs> That's the same character. Yeah. I a lot of people I spoke to about this play. within the past day or two really couldn't fathom that. I'm like, go watch Kong Skull Island, come back, rewatch the episodes, and then figure it out. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. oh, crap. Yeah. It took, it took me a little while for that to click. And then once it clicked, that was when I was like, because, yes, you do get the opening of the, episode, of the first episode with Bill Randa on Skull Island. It's kind mm-hmm. of that flashback. But then, like you're kind of wondering like, Oh, like where the, the only connection to that is the bag and that he tosses into the water and then is found and all these files and everything are released. And that's how Monarch comes to know about them. And, you know, there's, there's chasing and, and which we'll get to all of that later. Yeah. But in my mind, I was like, Oh, I'm like, okay, that's an interesting connection to make. Mm-hmm. And then once I made the connection that bill in the sixties was bill, from 13 years later on skull island i was like well wait a minute now this makes things more interesting it does yeah because as you mentioned now it's that's the legacy there yes that's that's where the legacy comes in this is now a family legacy yeah it's it's family in a sense of we got lee we got you you said kiko or keiko or whatever you want to help pronounce her name and the relationship within them too, because we get to see that within these two episodes. Yeah. You get to see their personalities, the character development, you get to see how they are and how they react to one another. And they are pretty much family from the get go over these course of years that we see within these two particular episodes. And I, I just love how we get that through pretty much flashback scenes mm-hmm. and I, I just love that and more encounters with uh kaiju during that time as well yeah it's it's interesting too because you know there are a lot of different time periods being covered you know you mentioned the flashbacks there's a lot of different time periods being yeah. covered in this there's you know there's the six there's back in the early 60s where they're um, or the mid, I think it's like 68, I think is when we first see the characters where they're going to, they're in Kazakhstan and they're following the radiation trails in Kazakhstan. Hmm. And then it goes to, you know, then we see 2013 with the flashback of the San Francisco attack from Godzilla. Then we see two years later in 2015, which seems to be the current time period um, because this series does take place if you look at the timeline of the movies, yeah. this takes place post Godzilla, uh, but pre King of the Monsters. Correct. Yes. Yeah, you are correct in saying that. And that is what's really interesting. And it's probably what's going to be key into the next legacy, uh, mo- like legacy monster verse movie that we're going to get. Uh, there's Godzilla X Kong. That's coming out soon. So uh, we haven't gotten a trailer for that one yet, but I think this is what the lead up is 
in a sense is, of giving more monarch. Godzilla X Con is that the is that the sequel to Godzilla versus Kong? Correct. Okay, because I thought it had a different name to it, and I can't remember. What They're probably going to change it yet again because Marvel does the same thing as well. So. That's true. So That's true. there's those those kind of like stand in titles until they come up with a with a name to it. Which I will say too, actually, this was a point I wanted to make earlier when you were mentioning all the different movies that we got in the Toho universe. Yeah. Um, I'm really one of the things that made me really happy about the announcement of this series and the progression of the films is that I know. I believe, and you would probably know this better than I do, is that the rights to these films, to this, to uh, to all these characters, I think we're supposed to have ended with Godzilla versus Kong. Correct. And then, but now we're getting Monarch, we're getting further films, we're actually still getting expansions to this universe. Yes, we're getting more expansions within this universe. Toho still holds the license and owns it, but they're lending it to Sony or Legendary, Legendary. Yeah, at this point. Uh, originally, it was Sony years ago when you mentioned, uh, yeah, Godzilla 98. Uh, <laughs> but they, uh, they, they are continuing that work, and I see that this is making money in comparison to what we got in 98. Originally, there was supposed to be three films of Godzilla after uh, 1998. You're just going to keep putting down 98, aren't you? Like, I'm not going to put it down. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I, honestly, it's like, at the time, I was really up for it, and I really wanted to see uh, a, a really American Godzilla film. But they kind of changed it when you got two suit actors walking out of the theater in Manhattan when it was world premiered saying that's not Godzilla in Japanese. <laughs> so you got a Haru Nakajima and Kempichiro Satsuma walking away going, that's not Godzilla. He doesn't run away. <laughs> so, uh, but enough uh, of yeah, that, enough <laughs> of that. But regardless, uh, yeah. originally it was, uh, they were going to do a, a, a trilogy for that series. It didn't happen. Uh, Toho took back and they said, fine, we'll just continue with our series. So, uh, you have the shower series, you have the Heisei series, you got the new millennium series and they continued it with the millennium series. And that's why, uh, after 98, they wound up doing Godzilla 2000 and still doing and continue to do movies. Now we're, uh, on the cusp of this, of Monarch coming out, we do have a new Godzilla film coming out at the end of the month called minus one. It's already premiered in Japan and is being heralded as one of the top grossing Godzilla films that came out. But these are to anybody listening to just so you're aware, these are also separate from correct. These, they that, are the, separate from legendary. Yeah. These are separate from the legendary films and this series. They are a completely different universe. They're more back to the traditional Godzilla that Toho started kind of that yeah. started. He started. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And it's great that we could have them in conjunction with American releases as well. But with this, we're continuing on the path of the legendary theory uh, or story, as it were. Mm -hmm. And we just continue on with that, that whole story that we got from the original 2014 Godzilla. And then it kind of incorporated the whole Kong Skull Island because I always loved King Kong as well. I, you know, we're going to get more of that information because Kong Skull Island was very much important to the story as well. 
because in Toho they have what's called uh, <laughs> Infant Island or uh, Monster Island, but in this world it's called Kong Skull, Skull Island. Island. Yeah, so uh, that's where a lot of the monsters tend to gather. So, and then uh, from the last movie, we already know that there's an underworld of the Earth too, which, which I'm cool. glad. I'm glad you brought that up because even though in the timeline where Monarch falls, none of that has none of that has happened yet. Yes, Kong, as you know, as, as far as the timeline is concerned, uh, we have not met Mothra yet. Godzilla has only appeared once. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not seen. Um, oh, what's the three-headed um, Ghidra? Ghidra, thank you. Uh, we haven't seen Ghidra yet. We haven't seen Mecha Godzilla. Kong and Godzilla haven't fought, so Kong. So the Hollow Earth is still at this point just a theory. Correct. However, there are some things in these first two universes, in these first two episodes, that kind of toy with that a mm-hmm. little bit. If they you do. Put, if you put some deeper thought into it, on the surface, it's not there. But if you kind of analyze some of the things that are happening, mm-hmm. like the fact that the battleship that sunk in Pearl Harbor is 5,000 miles from where it sunk. Correct. And it has claw marks on it too, which is basically the other side of the earth. Yes. In the middle of nowhere on like Mm -hmm. on dry land. Yeah. There's the, the hollow earth theory that comes into play. The fact that, um, uh, both, uh, Kate and Kentaro have a father that, Neither one of them knew like he their father was oh, their father, but they didn't really get to know him as a person. Hiroshi. That's the father's name. Yeah. Hiroshi. Um, Hiroshi lived this double life on in both San Francisco and Tokyo mm-hmm. on opposite sides of the ocean, but yet. Like was able to like for anybody else to live a dual life that far apart would be difficult unless Hiroshi somehow had access hmm. to, to the tunnels and under the earth. Correct. So there's, there's little things there that are hinting at things that have yet to happen in the timeline. They are things that we know about in this universe. If you had seen the movies, mm-hmm. but in the, in, at this point in the timeline, these are things that have yet be, to have been discovered. They're just theories. Yeah. And a lot of it is like, hey, uh, we referenced this. Go watch the movies. <laughs> so, which, uh, well, and that's the other thing I really appreciate about this series so far is that you don't really have to have seen the movies to appreciate the series. That is true. That yeah. That is what I like about this. And like I stated too, it's not just, uh, like I said, kaiju based. So we're not there just for the monsters. A mm-hmm. lot of it is story and, and background and character. And and within this, it's family. And we get that within these first two episodes. Kintaro didn't realize who Kate was. We start off with Kate and her story uh, that she get, uh, she finds a lease and keys in her father's desk drawer after he passed away. So she went to Tokyo just to... And investigate this. So she goes there and then she winds up opening the apartment door that was in his name and the leases is in his name and then uh, meets Kintaro and uh, 
and Kintaro's mother. And they wind up having this whole conversation. Originally, you know, they think of it as a break-in, but uh, they they come to realize it's like, oh, okay, well, he had a duality. And then Kate has to deal with that with her own mother. But we also see within that the issues with Godzilla during that time, too, because ever since 2014, now, mind you, they put 2013 in there in the very beginning, Mm -hmm. but the movie came out in 2014. So she still has PTSD, and there's a scene within the episode that shows her, and it's in actually in the movie, but you don't see her coming out of the bus, but we get more involved within the scene itself because she was trying to save the kids off that bus that goes into the the water from the bridge when it bre- breaks from Godzilla's, you know, just walking through. So in Godzilla um, 2014, Mm-hmm. Is there a scene where we see that bus fall off the bridge? Yes. I actually okay. rewatched it just for this particular, because I had to go back to that scene. Okay. Yeah, because I, I did want to, I actually plan to rewatch those movies, because one, they're just great movies. Yeah. And and two, I want to be able to kind of look for all these different things that are going to pop up. Because I know the one thing I do remember about 2014 is that those buses in particular mm-hmm. the reason why they were full of kids was because they were they were taking them to a place because their parents were all frontline workers mm-hmm. so these were they were the frontline workers were putting their kids on these buses to take them to safety while they were working the front lines so there's a chance that that Kate was either just an older one of those kids or somebody who was in charge of getting those kids to that location. I think it's more the second one. Yeah, I think so too. Just because of her age. I think she was somebody who was just in charge of putting, of of getting those kids to safety, which would totally add to the PTSD that she's having because one, you're, you're in the middle of this attack. You're on the front line. You are literally standing outside the bus, staring Godzilla in the eye, Mm -hmm. but two, you are losing children that you were put in charge to get to safety. Correct. So I, I absolutely, I like the fact I absolutely understand the PTSD that she is having. And on top of that, I like I really give kudos to the writers for giving us a good idea of what that PTSD feels like. Yes, because that's not something any of us have ever had to live through. And hopefully there's no kaiju out there that well, we we ever have to. Well, I, I see it as a reflection only in what we could see in America as one tragedy that we all know about, and you lived through it, and you actually helped out during it, which is 9-11. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing is, is that uh, to live with that is very, very hard. And throughout the show, or these two episodes, we do see that within Kate herself. Yeah, you know, she has flashes of that, not in just this episode, but also the next episode and the second episode went during the car crash. Yes. Well, well, even before the crash, when they put the hood on her, correct. She is, she's, she's starting to go through a lot of that as well. Um, but what, you know, real quick that you made mention of the, 
the drill that they have when she's in Tokyo. Yes, which is that's what sparks it. Yeah, that's when she's really having the first kind of panic attack to the mm-hmm. PTSD that she has. One of the things I really appreciated about this first episode is when because you're right, we see Kate arriving in Tokyo. It's one of the first things that we see post the Skull Island flashback. Um, they do a really, really great job of making us feel like uh, giving us a good idea of what it's like to live in this world Mm. post Godzilla attack. Yes. Because they, they go through decontamination on the plane. Correct. The moment they get off the plane, there are Godzilla. There's signs signs on the floor of what happens when you get evacuation routes. Yeah. Um, not only that, but when she's in the cab and she's going to the address, there are missiles set up. Mm-hmm. Um, there are defenses set up all through Tokyo. And mind you, this is a place where Godzilla has never been. <laughs> they are just prepared. In They're just prepared. And it's arrive. not just for him, honestly. This is technically what you would say is a kaiju attack. Because at the very end of uh, the 2014 film, they actually praise Godzilla. The thing is, is that, you know, our savior at the very end of that particular film, they always Mm -hmm. saw it as such. But the thing is that they know that these Titans are there and they are, they can cause uh, a tragedy and they could cause chaos in their, their cities and people can die from it. Yeah, well, in Godzilla 2014 as well, too, the the Mutos were not Titans; they were parasites. Correct. Um, they were they were not Titans, but they were still Mutos because they were the unidentified terrestrials. So, yeah, you're right that the defenses in Tokyo could absolutely be because of well, because we're not we weren't at King of the Monsters yet, so they do not know that other Titans exist. Yeah, um, not yet at this point. So. You're right. This could be in case of Mutos. This could be in case of Godzilla, because those are the only two things that they know exist. But mm-hmm. but one of the things I did think about, too, is that at the end of Godzilla, when we see Godzilla wake up after thought being dead, mm-hmm. you know, he, he does wake up and he goes and he just leaves out into the Pacific Ocean. Well, mm-hmm. what lies directly across the Pacific Ocean from San Francisco? <laughs> it's Tokyo. Yes. So why would Tokyo not think, oh, he's on his way here? <laughs> exactly. So, of course, of any city in the world, they're the ones that are probably going to be the most prepared for even though those defenses ain't going to do squat. Yeah. That, uh, <laughs> on top of that, I wouldn't be put it past even if we get a flash forward into San Francisco current day or uh, where we are at within this particular show where like years later they do put up defenses for yeah. uh yeah not just Godzilla but kaiju attacks but yeah it, it's it, it's really really interesting that uh that we get these flashbacks flash forwards uh Kate's uh, uh you know her her family everything that's involved with it and then she has to go through this whole who is my father and her and Kintaro actually have to deal with that. And they, they kind of do their own little investigation regarding this. And she winds up uh, going to her father's office with Kintaro. And then they find the bag full of 
the cool uh, tapes that are there. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty cool. I, I thought that was a, a great idea. But I have a little bit of a technical issue regarding that. <laughs> oh, drop it on us, Mark. Okay, so. <laughs> all right. <clears throat> These are 1970s. So uh, it's quarter-inch, which is two-track uh, analog audio or uh, quarter-inch tape, analog tape. Now, I, I had spoken to uh, a teacher I had in the Institute of Audio Research, and yeah, they did have stuff where they got collected data, but the data doesn't have video, pictures, or anything. Usually, anything that's recorded data-wise, honestly, this is where you have to suspend your disbelief for me. Uh, uh, you know, because I'm one of those people that know that, that the data that they captured on those uh, two-track analog tapes or quarter-inch literally is just binary, and it's just texted-based. So uh, I find it funny that you know, it's like they were able to trace it with the URL and all this weird stuff that's going on. Um, that's where well, the fantasy comes in. Well, I, to, to correct you, too, because that was something when – when Kiersey Clemens's character may started decrypting all of that stuff and then Monarch got the notification of it. Mm-hmm. I, I was kind of a little thrown by the two. I was like, wait a minute, this is stuff from the seventies. How is that stuff tracked? How are they going to exactly? Well, no, they do explain it though. She yeah. does say the woman that got the notification when she goes to that other guy, she says that they were running the content through a decryption website. Yeah. It's like a how filter. They got the notification. Yeah. So yeah. It, it wasn't the information she was decrypting that was traced. Mm-hmm. It was the website she was going through to use it to decrypt it. Yes. yes. But the, the, the fact of the, the content was a little bit uncertain to me, but I, that's where I suspend my disbelief. But I, I just liked it for the fact that, you know, we did get a true eight millimeter view of like John Goodman as mm-hmm. Bill Randa. And, the fact that they did that, and then when I oh, and I mentioned it to a, a teacher yesterday, <laughs> now mind you, today is Sunday, but we uh, had a discussion, and he goes, yeah, back then, it's like binary. You know that deal. I'm like, yeah, I know. He goes, suspend your disbelief, Mark. Really, do it. <laughs> I, I, and you know what? I kind of did the same thing, too, because you know when when they pulled out those tapes and she decrypted it and we saw files on and I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, they're, they can't be hard drives like hard drives no. did not exist in no. in the 70s and they would not have lasted 30 years in the water mm-hmm. um i mean even the water even with the waterproof bag even if they were dry the whole time they would not have lasted yeah that entire the, time some sort of deterioration on top of that they were clear cased and things of that nature but. well but here's also the thing though here's the thing that could also kind of explain that a little bit is the fact that john goodman's bag when he threw it in the water let's not forget it was only maybe i think and i, I don't know the exact timeline here but it was mm-hmm. only maybe five to six years later no 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 i'm sorry i'm wrong it was a good deal a good amount of time later mm-hmm. that it was discovered by that fishing trawler yeah, to a fishing trawler. Yeah. So <laughs> the it's not I don't think it's out of the ordinary that at some point between the time it was recovered to the time that um uh uh Hiroshi mm-hmm. had it, it was transcribed from paper to hard drive. Correct. 
so it, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that what they found in the bag actually was a hard drive from at some point the last 10 years of that time period because he could yeah. have had it all scanned, analyzed, put on a hard drive, and then that's what he kept in the bag. Yeah, but May was actually using a reel-to-reel unit to decipher the information. That was the you only- make a valid point. You make yeah. a valid point. So, uh, no, and she not- even says, I'm audio, not video. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So to me, it's like, I'm whatever. Uh, I'll I'll just write it off because I suspension of disbelief. Correct. Yeah. Uh, but you were talking about earlier where we saw Keiko uh, Shaw and Randa when they first meet up. That was 1952 because Shaw was oh. actually dispatched to go with her. The first the, time. The, the, the first time. Well, and the first time we see them is later. I think it's in like the mid. 59. I, that's the second time we see them? Correct. When they're at, when they're in Kazakhstan, that's in 59. Uh yeah, cuz I actually have uh my notes here. When and Kiko it, where Kiko dies. Yes. Okay. Kazakhstan was 1959. No, okay. Yeah, that makes sense because Skull Island was early 70s. Correct. Yeah, so cuz I think it's been from the time Kiko or Kaiko dies till the time we see Bill Randa on Skull Island. I think it's only 13 years. Yeah. So, so 15, yeah. Okay. 59 would make sense. Yeah. Or 14 see, years. See, yeah. if, if, if I would have actually wrote these dates down in my notes, <laughs> one, I would have had more notes. <laughs> Two, <laughs> I would have been better ready, better prepared. Well, it's, it, I, I've been watching, I watched these for the past two days. And like mm-hmm. you said, you gave me the Apple TV pl- uh, like plus like uh, screeners. I only watched those maybe about once or twice each, and then I just watched it on Apple TV Plus today. And I started finalizing, and I was like, I got to get these dates right. <laughs> I was like, I got to figure this out. But I started realizing, I'm like, wow. And then they make a joke later on. I don't. Was it episode? Yeah, it had to be episode two. About uh, Lee, when the kids meet Lee <laughs> in the old folks home or the retirement home or the monarch <laughs> like prison, the monarch fancy prison, yeah, saying, uh, shouldn't you be like 90? <laughs> well, and you know what? You know what's weird is I actually thought about that too because look at the difference in age from Bill 1950s to Bill 1971. Mm hmm. And he goes from he goes from one guy to John Goodman. Yeah. But yet Lee from 1950s to 2015 <laughs> goes to Kurt Russell. It's like, well, yeah, he should look older. Yes. Far older. <laughs> Which I'm almost wondering if there's somehow going to be an explanation for that. That has to be. And I think that was like a one off joke. Within it saying, it's like, okay, maybe the radiation that they encountered did something to his body. Or, or somehow, yeah, like, I don't know. Or, you know, there's always the possibility that somehow he was in hollow earth and time works differently because it's at the center of the planet. Hmm. 
like he could have been, you know, like and somehow aged slower while he was, I don't know. Like I just, I wonder <laughs> we have eight episodes left. So there's a lot of story left to tell. Yeah. Could there be some kind of, because think about that. I mean, the fact that these creatures have been around for as long as they have, there yeah. has to be some explanation as to how these creatures live as long as they do or survive sure. as long as they do. So maybe whatever keeps their, their, longevity could also work on humans and for some gap of time lee was there mm -hmm. and he aged slower I, yeah. I again don't know this is purely theory we haven't watched all of the, we've all i haven't watched past episode two you haven't watched past episode three so we don't know the answers to these yeah i'm interested if there is going to be an explanation as to why after all this time he because he you figure in 1950, he mm -hmm. had to, he couldn't be any older than mid twenties. Yeah, and that's and that's stretching it. And we're looking at night 2015. You're like 65 years later. Mm -hmm. He'd be in his 80s. There has to be an explanation. <laughs> there has to be. I I feel the same way. <laughs> there has to because Kurt Russell is not in his 80s. The, no. No, he's not. There but he is Kurt be, Russell, though. <laughs> this is also true. There has to be some kind of reason. Now I'm thinking about I didn't think about it when I watched it. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, there has to be some kind of explanation there as to, to why he only looks that age. Yeah. Yeah. And it was great casting, though, with Wyatt Russell playing a younger version of Lee Shaw. Yeah. And and then Kurt Russell playing the older version. You know, it's funny is, you know, a lot of people came to know Wyatt Russell more recently from um, Falcon and Winter Soldier from playing uh, John Walker. Yes. And, you know, he left a bad taste in people's mouth because of that character, mm -hmm. um, even though I thought it was brilliantly played. Oh, I thought he was really good at it. And I'll, I a lot of people didn't like that show, but. I enjoyed it. And knowing like at that time, I didn't really connect the, like I knew Wyatt Russell was Kurt Russell's son, but mm -hmm. I didn't really see like, Oh, like, you know, like, yeah, that's Kurt Russell's son. This time you man, see it. Do, oh, he is absolutely Kurt Russell's son. Yeah. You could see it in the face at this point because you have them and you could use it as a comparison. You could and see it in the face. You could see it in the mannerisms, like yeah. everything he does. I was like, yeah, he is Kurt Russell's son. Yeah. Absolutely. He doesn't have Kurt's uh, nuances that he usually does within like John Carpenter films or escape from New York or the thing or anything like that. But he knows his father and I'm pretty sure he mimicked a lot of mm -hmm. what Kurt does that we kind of shake off as okay. And then you realize it as you watch the episode, if you watch it a few times, you'll see it. Oh, I saw it from the first time. Okay. Like, I, like even before we even get to, because we don't get to see Kurt Russell as Lee until the like last the couple minutes of the second episode. Yeah, last 10 minutes, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So, but even in the first episode, I was like, yeah, I'm like, that's Kurt's son. <laughs> I, yeah. I absolutely can tell why it is Kurt Russell's son. Yeah. 
And I thought it was a really good casting, though, in a sense. It would have been terrible if they casted somebody else (laughs) instead of Wyatt to be the younger version of Lee. Well, and because the other thing about that, too, is I think you and I had talked about this personally, like outside of podcasting before, too. But there was an article that came out not too long ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Shortly after the movie, The Christmas Chronicles came out, which Kurt Russell plays Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. And he's a brilliant Santa Claus. That we're 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 getting into the holiday season now, so I will tell you. <laughs> if you, it's something I seen, watch every year too. <laughs> if you haven't seen the Christmas Chronicles, do yourself a favor and watch it because he is absolutely fantastic as Santa Claus. And then seeing Goldie Hawn as Mrs. Claus at the end is like even better. That's a bit of a spoiler. Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> but see, so. Where the hell is it going? Oh, so the article that came out was Kurt Russell was discussing his career and all the things that he had done and how much he loved playing Santa Claus. And he had mentioned in that article that he was pretty sure his acting career was coming to its end. He was getting ready to retire. However, he would kin- he would continue to play Santa Claus as much as they wanted him to because he loved that role. Yeah. So at that point, I had read that article and I had accepted the role as like, okay, we're not going to see much Kurt Russell anymore because he wants to kind of slow his career down and retire. So hearing the announcement that he was going to be part of Monarch, I was like, oh, well, that's interesting considering he said he was probably going to (laughs) retire. And then I heard the announcement that Wyatt Russell was going to be playing the younger version of him in Monarch. And I was like, well, that explains why he's coming back to do it this. Makes so much sense. <laughs> One, it's an opportunity to to act in a Godzilla universe, but two, it's an opportunity to do something he has not done in his career, and that's work yeah. with his son. That is true, and so, share the same character too, and be the same character exactly. So I can see how this maybe approaching him with this and telling him like you're going to be your present day self, your son is going to be your past self, you know, but it's going to be an opportunity. You're never going to share the screen, but you're going to get to work with your son. I, yeah, I can see that being enough to bring somebody to say like, okay, uh, I'll keep acting. (laughs) All right. So that means we need to start edging people to go, Hey, uh, Mr. John Carpenter, please do a different, escape movie with both let's, Wyatt and Kurt. <laughs> let's let's do a Snake Plissken prequel. Exactly. <laughs> with Kurt telling the story from a prison cell. Exactly. <laughs> I, I would part I would language, pay that. <laughs> part of my language, but I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry folks, we're getting away from Godzilla there for a minute. Yeah, we are. We we're getting away from <laughs> Legacy of Monsters. Sorry. <laughs> no, but I mean, to, to, to go back to the point, like, yeah, like I think Wyatt playing the younger version of Lee and Kurt playing the we call it the present day. It, it's, it's present day for the series. It's 2015. So correct. Um, You know, so but I, it's such a it's such a great casting choice mm-hmm. Um, and it's played so well because they they work. You're right. I think Wyatt just does such a great job of mimicking his father, mimicking the way he speaks, his mannerisms, all of that. So I think, yeah, it's it's really well done. Cool. Um, one thing that I wanted to bring up, which is pretty cool and interesting. Let's talk about May. We, we already know about Kate and Kentaro. 
you know, oh, I was going to say, are we going to forget about June and July? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that went over but, your head. I get it. No, yeah, Kiersey Clemens' character. Yeah. Yes. Uh, she is really good at this, but also the character is very mysterious. Because Kentaro actually sees, it's like, uh, I think Kate was going through her bag going, you have multiple passports. You have multiple versions of money in here. What mm-hmm. do you do? She's got a bug out bag. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's wild, too, because and Kentaro was involved with her in a relationship, too, at that point. So now you have the Randa kids involved with May. And then now they bust out great uncle Lee from the retirement home. <laughs> great uncle Lee. <laughs> Actually, well, yeah, he is, isn't he? Because <laughs> really is Hiroshi was literally Randa's son. Her, wait, Hiroshi? Yeah, Hiroshi was Bill's son. Yeah. Yeah, right? Meaning he's a great uncle. <laughs> well... Loosely, because they weren't actually related, but in exactly the way, in yeah. the same way that you call a friend and un- like your father's friend and uncle. Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what Lee is. Yeah, but I, I found it very uh, interesting for the fact that you know her and Lee get along <laughs> at the very end with the whole bug out thing and trying to to work together. Well, I think it's because Lee kind of just can tell that there's just something about her. Yeah. Like he, he has a good, like it, it seems like Lee has a good sense about things. I also, here's another prediction of mine too. Cause I don't, I don't know. This is kind of breaking away from may <laughs> that rhymed. Um, this is, <laughs> this is kind of breaking away from may for a minute, uh, which we'll get back to her, but I want to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. When we first meet Lee and Bill and Kaiko in when they're in that Jeep mm-hmm. and they're driving, they're in Kazakhstan, they're, they're searching, they're chasing the radiation. Mm-hmm. There's that conversation in the beginning about how Lee talks about like, you know, having kids one day, like they're having that conversation and Lee and Kaiko like kind of are, are looking at each other, having that conversation and then you see Bill kind of reach his hand out and grab Kaiko's hand. Correct. I don't know if it's just me, but I got a sense there's history between Lee and Kaiko. Uh, same here. I think <laughs> there was a relationship there between either before Bill or maybe even during Bill. I think it was during Bill, meaning that we might see another kid pop up. <laughs> Well, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to say that she has another kid um, because that would be kind of hard to hide from Bill. Uh, you know, if, if Lee got her pregnant and then while she was with Bill, that'd be kind of hard to hide from Bill. That is um, true. So I don't, I don't think there's another kid. And I'm not saying I think Lee is actually the father of one of those two children. Um, although that would be interesting. If Lee turns out to be like Kate's dad, like that would be, well, no, because the mothers are different. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. That wouldn't work. Well, Lee could be Hiroshi's father. Yes. But again, I don't think that's the case because that would be hard to hide before she died. Um, Obviously, they're not going to have Hiroshi after. Wait a minute. 
They can do it in flashbacks. No, wait a minute. If. Hold on. There's <laughs> some, because Hiroshi is Bill and Kaiko's daughter, which means at the time she died, they do have a kid. Yes. But they never talk about it. No, nope, never that... hear them talk about. Well, no, they I think that's I think that's one of the reasons why the conversation probably is happening in that Jeep. Hmm. Is because they might be referencing their own child. Yes. Hmm. But it's never mentioned that Bill is the father. Mm-hmm. So what if hear me out? <laughs> Hiroshi is really least is father. really Lee and Kaiko's father. Kid. Yeah. And then Bill entered into a relationship afterwards and kind of became the adopted father. But but Kate and Kentaro look at Bill as their grandfather because that's what they know. Mm-hmm. And not Lee, but Lee is actually their real grandfather. Yep. Ooh. <laughs> more and more theories as we're talking about this. <laughs> I see where you're going, and I feel the same way too. This is becoming from like that a, conversation. This is becoming like a Godzilla soap opera. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of dig it. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but also, we did not see the end result of Kaigo falling. Maybe she did not die during. I'm. That. I'm pretty sure. Well, you're right. We don't see her land. Mm-hmm. And we do know that whatever Muto that was, that was there, the dragon. Oh, no, the dragon was later. Dragon, um, was dragon was the one they met later. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever Muto was there that laid those eggs in Correct. Kazakhstan mm-hmm. was probably underground. So again, this goes back to the hollow tunnels and the hollow earth that we find out about in Godzilla versus Kong that maybe Kaiko fell into it. Correct. And she actually did survive. And maybe she is as young or you know, probably younger in comparison to her own grandchildren. <laughs> well, that would just be weird. That would be. I think, well, here's the. Th- oh, okay. <laughs> More theory. More theory. What if, what if Kurt Russell's character is as young as he is when he mm-hmm. should be in his 80s because he went searching for Keiko? Possibly. And found her and was with her for a while. Hmm. I mean, it would still make Hiroshi born before that. Correct. And aged regularly up above Earth. (laughs) Because, see, now now the more I think about this, I think there's some validity to this. Because if Bill is continuing with his research onto Skull Island, why wouldn't Lee have done it with him? Because they were Mm -hmm. all part of that same project together. Yeah, they so, created Monarch together along with the government. Lee had to have been somewhere else for him to have not gone along to Skull Island. Correct. So Lee was probably missing in action at some yep. point. And the reason why he is being held as a prisoner, I use the term prisoner loosely, in <laughs> that facility is because they don't want him going out into the public because there's something about him. Yeah. 
And he, he knows has, some things. He knows things. Exactly. <laughs> that's why he's there. Like, that's why they're keeping him in asset containment is because he knows things they don't want getting out, like the Hollow Earth. I think we just cracked this, sh- this show <laughs> wide open. Yeah, but we have to watch. <laughs> We're going to get to episode five and be like, none of this shit is happening. What <laughs> yeah. Is, what is happening? <laughs> Our theories from episode one are so out the window. Uh, this is not Ted Lasso. <laughs> there's, no, there's no hollow earth or kaiju in Ted Lasso. I know that. <laughs> Could you imagine King Kong playing soccer next to Jamie Tart? Oh, God. And him saying Jamie Dart. Do, 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 Jamie Dart. <gasps> anyway, let's let's go back to your points on May. Uh, no, no. I just think that May has a secret herself, uh, probably family oriented. That's probably involved with uh, hacking and things of that within Monarch itself, too, because we do get uh, an investigator that that that's the one that uh, Kate winds up getting in, you know, into the accident with who miraculously doesn't cut her hands as she's walking, you know, crawling out of the vehicle. Uh, and then, you know, it, it's typical of, uh, you know, when you're in a different country, even though she is Japanese and they, they talk bad about it saying, it's like, Oh, you're out. You're probably partying all night and you do speak Japanese. Uh, to me, I, I was like, wow, that is messed up. But well, I also I also found that too that like she says the reason why she's so fluent in Japanese is because it was her secret language with her father. Yeah. Um, you know, is how they talked is how her and her father talked around her mother. Um makes you think of what's her mother really look like because we don't get a visual of her mother. Yeah, we haven't we haven't seen her mother. Mm-hmm. Uh and we also um it it it's kind of made me think about like what was their secret language was his primary language in his other family. Correct. You know, so, you know, yeah. Cause it, Kate's mom is probably American. I would say they're living in Francisco. Kate's mom is probably American. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward little- to that, to seeing that because uh, I'm waiting for that conversation with Kate when she actually does see her mother in San Francisco. I wonder if we ever will see her mother in San Francisco. You think it's just going to be a voice actress <laughs> that's on the phone? Yeah. I mean, I'd, it, that's all it could be at this point, to be completely honest. Um, although, I don't know. There is. So, Tamalin Tamita is in the credits mm-hmm. playing a character named Caroline. Uh, Tamalin Tamita, for anybody who doesn't know, is Kumiko from Karate Kid 2. Yep. She is in the cast of this movie, although we don't know what episodes she's in. She's just listed on IMDb in two episodes. Um, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> she is listed in episode one as a voice. Her mom is Tamil and Tamita. Ah, so Caroline, her mom is actress Tamil and Tamita. Now, that doesn't mean we won't ever see her. She could Correct. have just been cast as the voice for that character. Yes. But somebody like her, I imagine we're probably going to see her at some point. I'm I'm assuming so, too. Because you're not going to cast somebody like that 
to just play a, a voice on a phone for two episodes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to, to, to go back to uh, what I was saying about the, uh, the monarch uh, investigator and his cohort, the female cohort that were chasing Kate or trying to abduct Kate at that mm-hmm. point uh, makes you think, what is his tie into this? Because he seemed, he seemed to know a little bit more into what was going on. So I'm curious about that. I'm curious about that too, because I I'm trying to get a read on that character. Um, because you can, you can see by certain things like keeping her hooded, kind of making it seem like they're abducting her. It does kind of make them seem like they're making them out to be, they're making Monarch out to be the villain of the story. But if we know anything from the Godzilla timeline, from these movies, we do know that Godzilla, that Monarch does eventually become a public company. Mm -hmm. Um, And not only that, but by Godzilla versus Kong, they are assisting in relief efforts. So they become not only a public company, but they are a helpful company. Uh, and in the next the next film in the timeline, post-Monarch, which is Godzilla King of the Monsters, mm-hmm. Monarch is actually already, which is actually, I think, only maybe three years later. I think it's 2018. Mm-hmm. Monarch is already in the public eye, and they're at um, they're having court sessions. Um, yes, they're under judicial reviewment, so it doesn't take long past this point for them to be a public company. So I'm questioning whether or not whoever this man is, I think is, I think his name is Tim, um, Tim and Duval are the two characters that you're reviewing or that you're referencing. I think yeah. they're doing a good job at making us in the audience believe they are villainous, but I don't think their intentions are bad. I don't think their intentions are bad either. It, it's one of those. Well, with the Godzilla versus Kong, they created that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Of course, we got Mecha Godzilla in it. That was not Monarch. That was Apex. That was Apex. Yes, but based upon the information that they got from Monarch, which was, you know, everybody knew about. Yeah, I mean, it was it. Apex was the villain in Godzilla versus Kong. Um, as far as companies go, not, not Monarch, but you're right. Apex, they'd get a lot of their information that they used from Monarch. Yeah. Cause it was public domain at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was public knowledge at that point. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's interesting. I don't think they're after them for nefarious reasons. I don't think they're, they're going to kill. I don't think they want to kill them. I think think they just want information more than anything. Yeah. And I think they just, they've never experienced, they've never had to do something like this before. So they're kind of going about it the wrong way. Yeah. You know, uh, they really don't have any intention of hurting Kate. Um, Mm -hmm. and it just like, it's it's a lot of misunderstanding of the situation because they didn't exactly go about it in the proper sense. Yeah. You know, they they were still trying to keep themselves very secretive because Monarch at this point was very secretive. Uh although were they because they were there at the Godzilla attack in 2014. 
Mm-hmm. And they were taking video and pictures, and she said, oh, it looked like they and, were there on a an, a school outing and taking video and pictures. And they were wearing their logo on their shirt. So, I mean, if you're a secret organization, you're not going out there advertising <laughs> yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's so like... I, I, yeah. I, I don't think Monarch is trying to be secretive at this point. I think they're just a relatively new organization. Um, cause even during, even in 1970 Monarch existed because we're finding out in this series that Bill Lee and Keiko were the pretty much the origin of Monarch. Yeah. They were the creators. They're the creators of Monarch. It. Yeah. And at that time and probably still throughout the history of the, the, the timeline it's been nothing more than just research yeah you know the guy standing on the bridge after the godzilla attack with the digital camera was just another bill yep bill had the eight millimeter this guy had a digital camera yeah and they were just documenting just getting as much information that they could possibly can about these uh titans and that's about it yeah, and the guys that were there with guns were there because you need guns. <laughs> You're in the middle of an attack. You need protection. Yeah, you need Aaron Taylor Johnson just jumping from a, a plane, dropping down. <laughs> I mean, look. You're going home to Elizabeth Olsen. It's uh Well, that is true. <laughs> you know, I had to fight to get back there too. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I I'm trying to think. So, uh, you know, looking at my notes, I talked a little bit about like how it was like living in this world, mm-hmm. getting to start with John Goodman, uh, seeing the, seeing what it was like to live with the trauma of the Godzilla attack, Wyatt Russell being like his father. I do, I will, I do want to say going into episode two, episode one was very dark and yes, like mysterious and heavy. I did enjoy. Episode two opening with a little bit of levity and humor mm-hmm. to kind of take away from that, even though it did go right back into the dark and mysterious yeah. that we had. Um, but I do one of the only I, I have a couple little things that I pointed out, but of the major notes, the only other thing I have left on my end is just what a great job this series is doing so far in building not only building up the mystery of monarch but sticking to the continuity of everything that we've gotten Mm -hmm. out of these past movies because to put a series somewhere smack in the middle of the timeline not continuing on from where we left off so not post godzilla versus kong Mm -hmm. but somewhere in the middle can be very difficult because you have to live up to the continuity of what you've already brought to us via Kong Skull Island and Godzilla 2014, but you also have to stick to the continuity of everything that is yet to come via Godzilla King of the Monsters and Godzilla versus Kong. Hmm. You are in a very weird place where you have to make sure everything you are doing now matches everything that has happened already, but also doesn't screw up what has already been what is yet to come in the future. Very true. But in these two episodes, they're already doing a great job of of doing that. Yeah, I, the only note that I could state that I that I haven't really talked about is about history within it too. Uh, I'm not just talking about uh, the history of legendary and everything else with the monsters, but also incorporating uh, what Bill actually does. 
Billy Rand does uh, talk about cryptozoologists. Uh, that's what he is, is a cryptozoologist. But they talked about, you know, it, the stuff that comes up about Monarch is like they talk about Bigfoot. They show Bigfoot in there in the, the files. They yeah, talk th- about dragons. That was fun. And you get a dragon at the very end, which is a titan at the very end of that particular episode. Well, so, I do not to interrupt you and, I, and I'll look good. I'm, I'll let you get back to your point, too. They kind of do touch base on that a little bit in Godzilla, King of the Monsters, um, in that you do come to realize that all of mythology Mm -hmm. is, this is something they talk about in Godzilla, King of the Monsters, is that in mythology, um, these creatures are not named off of mythological creatures. The the creatures of mythology are actually named from these creatures. Yeah. So... In essence, that kind of plays into it a little bit more mm-hmm. in that this Muto that they see that they call a dragon is probably the basis of what people thought dragons were. Correct. So the dragon in, of mythology was basically called that because of this Muto. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love how they incorporate that within the show itself. Yeah, me too. And then, and it's more of continuity based upon within the whole legendary scheme uh scheme of the monsterverse and i just like i just enjoy it yeah i i do too um the only other one la- the one little last thing i want to mention of too and i noticed it upon second viewing of mm-hmm. the first episode um because i did watch episode one twice and i only watched episode two once um but in episode two when they find um the ship Mm-hmm. And you find out that Bill was on that ship when it yes. sank. He was the only survivor. And he, f- and he goes and he finds his crew quarters and he finds his trunk and he takes that hat out. Mm-hmm. If you go back and rewatch episode one, the mm-hmm. opening of that episode where they're all in the Jeep. He's wearing that you know, hat. He's wearing that hat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a nice little thing that you probably, you would only notice in a in a rewatch of the series, yes, he's wa- he's wearing the hat that he found. Yeah, because it probably meant something to him. So I mean, that's the reason why he, he it's the one thing he grabbed out of his box was yeah. that hat. That's how he knew that was his box. That hat has meaning to him, and that's why it, he's wearing it a couple years later when they're in Kazakhstan. Yeah, and it makes me laugh too, or or just go on a little bit of a mental tangent of the mysteries of the world. Like, what if the Philadelphia experiment had to deal with kaiju's? <laughs> God, <laughs> we're not going to go into that. Uh, but it's like uh, we're going to start our own "what if" series. What if series? Yeah. Uh, no, the one thing I, that was a really good takeaway out of both episodes: the music. I yeah, really this, do, this, the score was the, great. The score was really, really good. And then on top of that, the music for the times that they're in and time periods that they're in. Like yeah. in the 50s. Yeah, the soundtracks that they were using. Yes. I actually wanted to look up who does the score for Monarch. Because um, I'm a big fan of scores uh, of music. Um, I'll see if I <laughs> if I look up. Score gives me like the a rotten tomato score, and that's not what I want. Um, let's see, I want to know who. Oh, Leopold Ross, hmm, 
is the is the uh, the composer. Who, yeah. So what what else has he done? Let's see. Leopold oh. Ross. He has also done. Let's take a look. Selected credits. Um, well, okay, movie scores. He has done the movie score to The Book of Eli, Broken City, Love and Mercy, Triple Nine, The Defiant Ones. He's done episodes of Black Mirror, A Million Little Pieces. It's weird. I don't see Monarch listed on here. Interesting. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> that's why. Um, because he is not the lead composer. <laughs> I don't know, but he, it does say he has worked on it. I think he has worked with his brother Atticus. Oh, okay. I think, I think they worked jointly on the score for this. Cause he's not, he, for some reason he's not listed. I don't know. I'll do some more research on it. I will have answers by episode three. Hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll have more information too about music that we love from the the episodes too. Uh I didn't really go f- too far into it, but I just love the time periods that they do. And then we get uh very similar to like Kong Skull Island. That soundtrack was really unique and I love it and I have it. I, I like to listen to a lot, a lot of credence and everything because it's based in the seventies. Yeah. So uh with this uh these particular two episodes between 1952 to 1959, we do get something out of that as well as uh, something from the seventies as well. Uh, when we do see Rand, but you know, I'm loving. And if they do a Spotify playlist, I'll probably put it on there too, because I just like uh, music from different uh, decades. You ever notice anytime there's a, a, a movie that's set in the seventies that has something to do with military choppers. Creedence Clearwater revival is always on the soundtrack. Oh yeah. <laughs> always on the soundtrack. Like platoon <laughs> or forest or forest gump. Oh yeah. Um, like, and, and I'm not complaining one bit about it because I love CCR. Oh, same here. So, not complaining about it one bit. Uh, the only thing other than that, I just have a couple of quotes, and that's about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I'm going to have to go with the first one in the very beginning. Uh, it, it's from Lee himself, Lee Shaw, saying uh, when they're in uh, Kazakhstan, he goes, these think the A-bomb, uh, the A and A-bomb means appetizer. It's not like we haven't seen these things before. Come on. It's mm-hmm. time for some sign shit. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And then that's when he blows up. That's like when he makes the uh, seismic thing, and that's when Keiko and Bill and Lee wind up having to go in and check all the eggs and stuff. Uh, The last one would be from Lee as well, too, from episode two, which would be uh, his interrogation from his uh, superior. And he got into that bar fight, but basically it was him trying to take care of somebody. And he goes, sometimes the fight picks you, sir. <laughs> yep, I remember that line. Yep. <laughs> I thought and, he, it and, cool. and it's in that same conversation that he tells that general to like, you know, like, I wonder what your father would think. He's like, well, let's sober him up and find out. Yeah. <laughs> Which I wonder in that phrase, they are hinting to his father. So I don't know if we'll ever meet him. Uh, who knows? Yeah. 
We'll find out. Yeah. Or we'll probably uh, reference him again. That maybe, you know, uh, there uh, there could be mention of him later on that kind of, you know, as we dive deeper into the backstory of this character through Wyatt Russell, you know, we might find out some more information about his father as to that's the reason why he's doing what he's doing. We may never meet the character, but we could find out the influence that character has on him. Yep. So, uh, all in all, these first two episodes, I think were fantastic. Um, they, from the first five to 10 minutes instantly drew me in to this series. And I, we have eight more episodes to go. I can't wait to see where this is going to go, especially now after recording with you and coming up with some of these theories (laughs) that I didn't have until we started recording. Well, that's always Um, what happens when we talk about this stuff (laughs) is, is Lee, did Lee disappear somewhere and his age slowed down? Has he been to the middle of the hidden earth? Um, is he really Kate? And, uh, is he really her grandfather? Like, uh, we don't know. We don't know. These are things we're going to have to wait and find out. <laughs> yeah. Discuss everybody and then come yeah. back to us. <laughs> hey, you know what? On that note, let's just say, let us know what you think about all of these theories. And if you have any of your own, Easiest way to do that is to leave us feedback. Uh, if you follow Wilhelm on pot on Facebook or Podcastica on Facebook, you can uh, easiest way to do it is just keep an eye out for the weekly posts every week about for feedback. And there you can leave comments. Uh, Facebook.com slash slash Podcastica. Uh, Facebook.com slash Wilhelm podcast are the two places you should be following on Facebook to do that. Uh, or if you want to email it to us directly in either an email or a voicemail, which we will play on the podcast if you do that as well. Uh, easiest way to do that, we're, instead of giving you two different emails, we're just going to use one. Uh, so we'll use feedback at wilhelmpodcast.com and send us that. Um, we do have one piece of feedback so far for these opening two episodes, and that comes uh, from our friend Derek O'Neill. Uh, And he says, I really enjoyed these first two episodes. It's difficult to balance a story of this scope across multiple times, locations, and characters, but it felt effortless done here. Or it felt effortlessly done here. When the kaiju and the monsters appear, they are awesome. Agreed. Uh, It's also a really interesting mystery to piece together what happened since the attacks on San Francisco. I feel like I need to rewatch the movies uh, this ties into very soon, but this show has me hooked already. Looking forward to the podcast. Thanks, Derek. Yeah, thanks, Derek. Uh, I will say before Mark and I go on our plug fest uh, <laughs> and plug everything that we have going on, uh, I will say to the scheduling for this series is a little wonky uh, for the Thanksgiving holiday. Ordinarily, the episodes come out every Friday, but for the Thanksgiving holiday, they're releasing a little early. So episode three will be out within a matter of days of hearing this. Uh, we'll be out on Wednesday. That is the 26th. No, 22nd. Mm-hmm. Um, Wednesday, the 22nd is when episode three releases. Uh, but we are still not going to release our coverage of episode three until Monday, the 27th. So you have extra time to get in feedback this time. You have the whole Thanksgiving weekend rather than just two or three days. So there's no excuse. You could listen to this podcast as you're traveling to your family and friends. There you go. 
I like that. <laughs> Put it on at the Thanksgiving table. No, no. <laughs> no, don't uh, do that. While you're watch, traveling. Fo- watch football like any red-blooded American. Exactly. Um, <laughs> if you're American, you might not be you might be in the UK like Derek or you know, somebody. Yeah. Sorry. Well, it's still football um, there. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. Um so yeah, so our coverage will still release on uh we'll still be recording next weekend so you have a couple days to get in the feedback for episode three and then they go back to every friday starting december 1st all of the episodes every friday as they continue on through the 10 episodes of the series um any final notes on anything monarch related before we tell everybody where they can find us and other stuff that they should be checking out uh, the only thing I could actually say is I look forward to watching episode three again <laughs> and then continuing on with this, uh, this saga. Yeah. Uh, I I'm, I'm wholeheartedly right there with you. I I'm looking forward to continuing the podcast with you on this series. Uh, I don't think you and I have ever covered a series together before, but nope. I really don't think there's a better one than this <laughs> to, for us to do together, which is going to be fun. This will be fun. Um, and we're going to have some guests along yes. the way as well. Uh, Jason and Rima from Podcastica are going to be joining us throughout the course of the 10 episodes. Uh, Pake and Daphne, I know, have interest in coming on as well, since they're big fans of Kaiju and, and creature features and such. Um, I know you might have one or two people that might join us as well. So we're going to we're going to have some guests along the way. But we yeah. figured for the for the premiere of these first two episodes, it was going to be Mark and I. We're going to establish it together. And uh, and see where it goes. All right, cool. So with that said, before we get out of here and we wrap things up, uh, why don't you kick it off and tell people where they can find some of your other projects and uh, where to go? Uh, well, it's very easy. You could find me and hear me on Adrenaline Cinema Podcast. And you could find that on Facebook.com forward slash Adrenaline Cinema Podcast. Uh, the last episode that you just received will probably be total recall with uh jason kabasi himself from podcastica nice. so we had a, we had a good time talking about that the arnold schwarzenegger classic not the <laughs> remake that was terrible everybody hey, colin farrell wasn't bad no he wasn't bad but the movie itself i was not too thrilled about but that's I just agree. my opinion everybody else has their own opinions i agree uh, uh, you could hear me on Panels to Pixels podcast. Uh, we are going to be finalizing our coverage on Gen V, which is on Amazon Prime. So we're going to do the last two episodes, Rob and myself. So uh, you could find us on Facebook as well, facebook.com forward slash Panels to Pixels, or on Instagram at uh, Panels to Pixels podcast. Just follow us, subscribe, and just following along follow along. Uh, basically I just like to post whatever we're going to be covering there. Everything is linked. Follow that. And you can hear me on fantasy picks movie edition as well with, uh, my friend Rob, as we cover our top five movies or how we would actually fan cast or change a movie that did poorly in the cinemas. Oh, that's so- interesting. So we do that on that in his particular uh, podcast. So I'm on there quite often. It's fun to do. So uh, I highly recommend that. I think the last episode that I was on was about Prometheus. And the last top five we did was the top five monster movies. So you're stealing my top five format from Wilhelm. 
No, blame Rob. Uh, so rob if you're listening you have stolen my top five format for well no there's so many podcasts out there with top five formats it's that is true it's not a stolen format it's you know everybody has their own way of doing it it's it's great so always check them out yeah but it's done in a football league too by the way oh this is also true yeah Yeah, this is also true uh, all right, cool. So, uh, of course, on my end, I encourage you to check out Wilhelm, in which this podcast is hosted on, uh, as well as Podcastica. So, podcastica.com uh, is where you can go to find all the great content over at Podcastica. I know Jason and Lucy are in the middle of their uh, the, the Walking Dead rewatch. They have just started rewatching the series. Uh, Penny is doing the Buffy cast, in which they're rewatching select episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, we mentioned Pake and Daphne. They're doing Run for Your Lives with all their month. Although I think they're on break right now, but their season is about to kick off. I'm not sure where they're coming back into. Hmm. Uh, you've got Pake and Rima doing Strange Indeed, in which they're covering Great British Bake Off at the time. And I, th- I don't know if their coverage of Fall of House of Usher has wrapped or not. They might still be doing that. I'm not sure. Same here. Um, so... As I mentioned at the top, this is released on both Wilhelm and House Podcastica. So Podcastica listeners, I encourage you to go and find Wilhelm and subscribe. WilhelmPodcast.com, easiest place to go and do that. And Wilhelm listeners, I encourage you to go to Podcastica and subscribe, and which is Podcastica.com. And you can go over there and check out everything that there is. Uh, that's the point of doing this is cross-promotion. Uh, is to put all that out. But as far as Wilhelm is concerned, uh, we have these going to be releasing every Monday. In addition to that, I've got a lot of backup stuff that I'm going to be releasing uh, in the form of panels that I've done over the past year uh, with um, Peter Cullen, Christy Swanson, Anson Mount, Greg Nicotero, like a bunch of panels that's going to be coming out over the course. And on Thanksgiving Day, This year, 2023, November 23rd, uh, it is the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. (laughs) So Thanksgiving morning, we are releasing our celebration to Doctor Who, the 60th anniversary special on Wilhelm, in which myself, my friends Billy Taylor and Sean Palace came on. Uh, We talked about who our favorite doctor is, our favorite companions, and we revealed our picks for our top five favorite episodes of the modern who, which was fun and incredibly difficult. (laughs) So, uh, and last but not least, you know, we kind of threw in some Ted Lasso references (laughs) throughout this (laughs) Uh, reason being because my friend Kristen and I, every week I have been revisiting the show Ted Lasso. Uh, and talking about every episode, a different episode every week. We are currently almost finished season one. But if you're a fan of Ted Lasso, I encourage you to check out that podcast, which is the Revisited Podcast, and that can be found at revisitedpod.com or on podcastica.com because that is also a shared podcast with Podcastica. I think that's everything. <laughs> and it's amazing, everybody. You got to go check out Revisited. It's fun. Thank you. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I think that's it. That is it. I think that's it. Uh, so, yeah. So, as we mentioned, next episode of Monarch is season one, episode three, titled Secrets and Lies. Uh, it's weird because Apple TV has the premiere date for that as the 24th. Hmm. Which is Friday, but IMDB has it as the 22nd. 
And if you go to Apple TV Plus, it shows as the twenty second. It shows as the twenty second. So I, I'm I'm looking at the Apple. I'm looking at the 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 screeners page. So they might not have updated their information. Yeah, take that. it from me, who has an Apple TV. Uh, when you go to that, you actually see it and it tells you the premiere date, which is well. Uh, and I have Apple TV Plus too, so it's okay. I just haven't I just haven't looked at it through there. I've been watching it through the screener website. Um, not not to sound like oh screener website. <laughs> You're special. I am. Damn it. Well, it's um, funny. I it's like even though I have the screeners, I haven't really gone through all of them. <laughs> well, we again we we talked about this at the top. We have these. They're more to help us with the podcast. Our recording. Yeah. yeah, we didn't get them to watch the head. We got them so that if for some reason scheduling got wise like if jason comes on and the only time we can do it is before the episode actually airs well we have the episode to watch it just in case so we can do yeah. we can watch it before it airs, so we can actually record on it that's the reason why we have it it's not to be special and say like eh, i watched the whole series no <laughs> we're not like that <laughs> well we can be but we're not this time well i'm not i i i actually like the idea of doing things episodically lately so i do too especially for something like this yeah because i like all these theories that i got to come up with while listening i would have no we were talking it was just like wow yeah (laughs) i I would have never had these theories had i watched ahead like because i would have known already the outcome so i'm watching along just with everybody else same here as i know you are too all right let's wrap this up um any final notes on anything before we we get out of here? No, nothing else. I have nothing else to add. Okay. Uh, so then I will wrap up with this. I will say on behalf of myself, Mark, everybody at Wilhelm, everybody at Podcastica, uh, to those who celebrate, have a safe and happy Thanksgiving because that will happen before you hear us again after this episode. Uh, have a safe and happy holiday. Um, but... Until next time, we'll see you later on down the road for another episode of our Monarch coverage. Yep. Bye. Talk to you guys later. See ya.